Welcome back to another great episode, everyone. I am excited, excited, excited. On today's episode, we get to dive into cultural equity and understanding, well, what is it? How does it relate to uh, black equity? What does it really mean? Uh, so on this episode, we're able to uh, dive in, have a Q&A with uh, some of our listeners and have an open conversation that is sure to shift the mindset of, of those around us. So if you're enjoying conversations like this, there's several things that I am going to ask you to do. Okay. The first thing I want you to do, if you are a entrepreneur or an investor, or you inspire to be one, you need to text black equity to, to the following number, 669-238-2434. Once again, text black equity to this to this number six six nine two three eight two four three four. Now the reason why you are doing this is so when things come uh, through our network where people are saying here's access to capital, here's access to information, here's access to strategic partnerships, here's access to really great opportunities. What we will do is we will send this out through a mass message to everybody who has text black equity to 669-238-2434. Okay, you want to join the over 1,000 people who have taken advantage of the black equity uh, hotline. You want to be a part of that, the digital black equity network. Okay, now the second thing I want you to do is uh, as you're listening to this episode, in the show notes, you're going to have access to learn how to be part of Black Equity Premium. That's where you're going to get exclusive interviews. You're going to get early releases of all of our content. This is where you're going to uh, have access to really great opportunities that do not necessarily make it to uh, the Black Equity Network. Uh, the Digital Black Equity Network, and don't necessarily make it to the podcast. This is premium. This is the next level. These are some of the things that I haven't been able uh, to necessarily put on the podcast because we're trying to find a way to have all this great information be stored in one place without handing it over to anyone else. So this is going to be the way that we can do that. So you can go ahead and click on the link in the show notes so you can learn more about Black Equity Premium. And then the last thing I'm going to ask you to do is uh, make sure you're subscribed to this podcast. Make sure you're getting all the alerts of all the episodes that do come out. Uh, I want you to know that we will continue broadcasting at least once a week for the Black Equity Podcast and all the other great uh, content that you're used to. Uh, will be right here in the Black Equity Podcast. But if you want more uh, than what you're currently getting, that's when you're going to head over to Black Equity Premium. So now that I gave you uh, those three instructions, I'm looking forward to seeing you implement each one. So as always, I am DJ Motri of the Black Equity Network, and welcome to the Black Equity Podcast. Thank you.
All right, so we are here for another great episode of the Black Equity Podcast. We are recording live on Instagram, and we are taking Q&As once again uh, as we were recording. Of course, we have the stimulus package that just came out. They're saying it's $2 trillion. I'm sure there's a lot more to it than what meets the eye. Uh, also, uh, we are uh, opening up people to apply for strategic partnerships and opportunities. And so we're looking to hear what different thoughts are on the types of strategic partnerships that you would need. Uh, so we welcome everybody on the IG today as we're recording this live version of the podcast that will uh, air uh, on the podcast as well. So our first question that came in, you can also feel free to use the Q&A uh, question box. I don't see any that has come in quite yet. Uh, we have Tiffany 256 Jordan. She asked, how can we ensure the medications and vaccines are truly diverse? I wonder what you mean by diverse. I'm not sure what you mean, but I know as I was reading that question, one of the first things that popped in my mind is how can we ensure that the medications and vaccines uh, are truly beneficial to us? Well, here's one thing I'll say. This, this may be radical, so let's let's get into it. And the only way to really ensure uh, that something is of of the essence of what you're looking for is to own it. It's really the only way. The only way to 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 position yourself in society to make sure you're not being fooled and played is to own that that sector, or to have at least at least a piece in that sector. So it would behoove us as a people, as a community, to get behind a company that is Black-owned, and not only Black-owned, but uh, Black principles, because that's, that's not necessarily the same thing. You have Black-owned, where it is a person who is of, of African descent, Black descent, however you want to classify it, who owns a company. That's different than Black-centered. See, Black-centered means that we're going to make decisions that are going to positive, positively impact our community. Oh, that's two, that's two different things. A lot of people ain't talking that. Just because you're Black don't mean you're looking for Black equity. You may be Black and you may be looking for white equity. So that's a whole nother conversation. But I would say in order to ensure that these vaccines and medications are what we're looking for, Obviously, we need to either back a company that is Black-centered or own a company of our own, have other people back us, so then we have some type of understanding of what is going into these vaccines. So we know the ingredients, and we know everything that's happening, so we're not just being hoodwinked and, and uh, led astray into situations that we don't necessarily know where we're walking into. So that's something I would say on that when we're talking about you know, the stimulus package, we're talking about all the things dealing with uh, the change in our society, we're talking about strategic partnerships. We welcome everybody who's coming into uh, the chat now. We are recording live the Black Equity Podcast that will be published later on. Um, so we thank you for coming in. Feel free to ask any questions. Our first question was about the medications and vaccines uh, that um, potentially people may be taking. And I believe that one of the best ways to know what you're taking is to own it. Is to own it. How do you own it? You either start a company in that particular area or you acquire a company in that particular area. Uh, 
I'm not saying anything that is brand new. This is not uh, anything that you've never heard before. If you want to ensure that the things that are going into your body are of sound mind and with the purest intentions, you must own it. There's no other way around it. You must go out and acquire uh, these vaccines or these medications or anything that you're putting into your body. You either need to back somebody who's already uh, black centered and focus uh, on backing them, or you must yourself go out there and own it and become black centered in your approach. All right. So second question, Tiffany two, five, six, Jordan, ask a second question. We love to discuss a partnership with Acelinate Genetics in Alabama, since you mentioned that. Now, Tiffany, I, I'm not familiar with your profile. Is Acelinate Genetics, is that your company, or are you saying you want to partner with another company? Let me know what you're thinking on that, uh, and I'll wait for your response. Uh, Natisha Johnson, right now we can push forward and have a big leap. Okay. Uh, what, are you, what are you particularly speaking of? Uh, Natisha Johnson, what are you talking about when we say we can push forward and have a big leak? That sounds like a really great topic I would love to get into. Back to Tiffany256Jordan. Love your response. After doing research, we actually did start a company, all minority-owned and focused, so that we are no longer checking a box for people. Uh, for me personally, I was giving up for adoption because I am biracial, so racism is my life. Well, I'd love to hear more about that, Tiffany. So the company that you started, is that in uh, the vaccine and medication space, or is it uh, something outside of that? Tell us a little bit more about your company, and if you want to hop on here and request to join, let us know that as well. So as we're waiting for more people to come on in and, and ask questions and all that good stuff, how are we feeling about this potential $2 trillion that is going to be circulating into the economy? Does that seem like uh, with this proposed uh, stimulus package, does that seem like something that is going to be beneficial for our community? Does anyone know about the details with that? What is everybody thinking? Because we, we collectively decide reality. So how we decide to think is how we decide to live. Are we thinking that this stimulus package is going to save anything? Is it going to stimulate anything? We talked about how to stimulate the economy on our previous episode. And we talked about strategic partnerships, who to partner with, who not to partner with. We talked about all that. And so I'm wondering, does this stimulate anything for you? That's the question that is floating around on this episode. And I'm sure we'll bump into some of those answers. So we have more questions coming in for our Q&A live Black Equity Podcast chat. Tiffany256 follows up with us and says, we are looking to partner with Black media companies like yours to have these conversations had more regularly. Sure, send us a message. We can sit down and have a uh, initial introductory call. And uh, during that call, what we would do is figure out, well, what are you trying to accomplish? What are you trying to uh, plan out for the next five or 10 years? Our job here at Black Equity Network is to connect companies with each other that don't even know they exist and figure out the best way for a strategic partnership or alliance that allows for both companies to flourish uh, with the help of each other. That's one of our goals here, along with producing the podcast and consulting and advising, and then also investing in companies, acquiring companies. That's what our space is dedicated towards. All right, Natisha Johnson says, as far as Black-owned companies, 
this might be a good time to rethink where our money is being used to build a stoned foundation. All right, Natisha, I don't know who you are, but you have a very uh, specific way of wording things. You didn't just say a foundation. No, 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 no. You said a stone foundation. And so that leads us to our next segment. What's the difference between a foundation and a stone foundation? Because technically, let's, let's, let's put this out here. Technically, I was having a conversation recently, and we were talking about fruit. And you ever seen one of those uh, plastic fruits out there where it looks like an apple? It doesn't really smell like an apple, but it looks like an apple. If you're far away from that thing, you would think, oh, I'm about to grab me an apple. And then you grab it, and it's not a real apple. It's fake, right? But from the untrained eye, it appears to be fruit. And so you uh, may gain a whole appetite because the fruit is in front of you. The same thing could be seen in people who are building foundations, People are building foundations, but what is the foundation made out of? And I think Natisha brings up a great point. If you're building your business, if you're building industry, everybody's kind of creating a foundation. Everybody always says you have to have a foundation to build on top of it. Everybody's building a foundation. That's not what's in question. There's very few people who have never built a foundation. The question is, what do you, what type of foundation are you building on? Is it a, a, a sandy foundation? Is it a stone foundation? How solid is this rock? Or how solid is the non-rock? And I think that is a very key piece of wisdom that we just found in that question. So let's go back to the question and let's kind of tackle this. Natisha Johnson says, as far as Black-owned companies, this might be a good time to rethink where our money is being used to build a stone foundation. A lot of people have built their empires off the backs of the black dollar. I mean, let's just be honest. We've been stimulating this economy the whole time. If anyone has been stimulating the North American economy and the United States to be specific, it's been the black dollar from entertainment to beauty products, to food, everything we pay for. And so the question is, how do you redistribute that, those funds so people start paying us? Because the economy is just a, um, a foundation of many different transactions that take place. And right now, our money is going into their hands and paying their income. Our money is going into their hands to pay their income. Money must leave their hands to come to us to pay ours. Now, how do you create that type of a situation? How do you create money leaving their hands and coming to you? That, my friends, you have to become so valuable that they can't resist putting money in your pocket without, and this is key, this is key, everyone, without any strings attached. The problem is a lot of times we do receive money, but then the strings attached, whether it be an NBA player, an athlete, you know, now you have to work for them for seven years in order to pay off that debt. And now it becomes a situation where there are strings attached. You have to play by their rules in order to take that money. 
So how, how do we create value in our marketplace where money is exchanging hands to us to create our income, to create our cash flow, without then there being some five-year type situation where we are duped into playing their game and their system? That, my friends, is how you build a stoned foundation. If you're interested in learning that, continue listening to this podcast and many other episodes, because we've been kind of talking about, well, how do you do that without all these strings? So Tiffany256 says, a cell in genetics ensures minorities are included in the research. The FDA doesn't mandate minority participation, and that's absurd. Why do we all go see a doctor and take the same medication, yet we are not all the same? It's very true. So what I would ask you to do, uh, Tiffany, is uh, ping us on some of your uh, uh, Silinet Genetics uh, post, and let's um, let's find out more about the company and figure out how we can back it, because that's going to be really key. Is okay, you have this company, but if we're not all backing it, then what are we really doing? We got to put our money where, the, where, where our mouth is. Natisha says we don't have a cultural wealth at all. And that needs to change in order to survive as a people wealth and unity. So let's look at, let's examine what Natisha is saying. We don't have cultural wealth. So there's, there's something specific once again to what Natisha is saying. She's not saying wealth. She's saying cultural wealth. There's a distinction before we were talking about the difference between foundational uh, a stone foundation and a foundation. See, these, these additional adjectives that Natisha is putting on to her statements add context and add more value to the conversation. We don't have cultural wealth. Here's what I'm gathering from this, and I'd love to hear everybody else's perspective. Cultural wealth is where we profit off the very things that we naturally are creating stop me if I'm saying anything that's crazy here. Cultural wealth is where we would profit off of the natural things that we create already. The natural things that we're good at. All the things we are naturally great at, somebody else has uh, swept down and convinced us that we need them in order to play that game. We're the best football players. Oh, sign, sign a contract to play with the NFL. Do it our way, and we'll cut you whenever we want to. We're, we're naturally gifted at sports and basketball. Well, sign the NBA. You, you have to play by our rules. You got to, oh, no, no, no. You can't make money during college. No, no, no. NCAA says you're not allowed to do that. How dare you make money off your likeness? But that's our cultural wealth. Our cultural wealth is I'm great at this talent. I should be able to profit off of it. That's cultural wealth. By the time I'm 16, 17, 18 years old, if I'm one of the best basketball players out there, it shouldn't matter what some, some fake entity says about my cultural value. Why am I signing something in order for the NCAA to de determine my value and what I can make in the marketplace? It, 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 it boggles my mind that we have cultural wealth that we then sacrifice in order to fit in to the, 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 the bigger society because we want to feel accepted by NCAA, by NBA, and just for those who aren't playing sports, 
college in general or uh, business in general. We'd rather spend 15 years building up somebody else's company than spending 15 years building our own company. And we convince ourselves this, well, I need the experience. Well, who gave them the experience? Who's determining experience? Who's determining um, when you are qualified to do a, a certain position? Who determines the game? I feel like we have all the wealth we could ever imagine within our minds, but then we're handing it over so then we can play the game alongside them. But I feel a shift happening. The shift is happening, especially with the Black Equity Network, Black Equity Podcast. The shift is happening where, oh no, there's going to be a premium on coming into our culture in order to work with us. There will be a premium in order to be a part of our naturally gifted set of skill sets. And if you want to work with us, you will play by our rules. There's a, there's a shift happening. Now, if you're not part of this shift, that means you're still doing it the old way, and that's fine. Do whatever you want to do. But over here, on this side of the river, we're going to play a different type of game. If you want access to us, it's a premium. And if we're going to do any type of partnerships together, we want equity. Matter of fact, we're not even wanting equity. We already have equity. It's ours. It's about taking ownership from the very beginning. So who do we have uh, coming in now? Uh, Tiffany256 says, why do we go pay for bad information to be entertained, yet we wouldn't dare pay for good information that can help us obtain generational wealth? Well, I would love to know who you're referring to, Tiffany, because I'm not part of that we. I don't know why people are paying for bad information. I don't, I don't know. And I also don't know why people within our own culture That was about to get good. It's about to get good. I don't know why people within our own culture are are taking bad information, recycling it, and then and repackaging and reselling it at a premium price to their own people and calling this progress. That's what I don't know. That's what I don't quite understand. They put bells and whistles on top of things that anybody can go Google and find out or search engine and find out. They repackage it, and then they sell it to somebody who's in the desert who's looking for water. And then the things that they hand them have no nourishment because, yes, it's, it's information, but it's not a process and it's not a system. Those are the people I'm really worried about because they look like you and I. They appear to be great people. They, they've built up a really great brand. But when they're in the middle of the desert, they'll take advantage of their own people and run, run away with the dollars and say, well, I'm valuable now. Forget that person that I left behind. That's what we're doing to our own people. A lot of people have adopted the European way of treating their own. And it's something that we have to wake up to. Letitia Johnson says the following. My goal is to help our youth provide my creative services to Black-owned brands and continue the book, uh, continue the book series I have that allows Black men and women to express and heal. I love it, Natisha. You should reach out to me. We should uh, connect and figure out how to partner. Tiffany256, the problem is that the system is broken. It wasn't created for us in mind. 
So, so my response to that, because I've heard that a lot, uh, Tiffany, my response is the system is not broken. The system is not broken at all. The system is exactly what it's supposed to be. This is the system. Here's the best part. It's all imaginary. So how do you combat the system? You build your own. But in order to do that, it takes cooperation. Cooperative economics. And it means treating each other with ethical intentions. It means treating each other like we're valuable because we are. And not just taking advantage of every single person that runs through the desert and, you know, giving them fake nourishment and then going and patting them on the back and sending them on your way while you sit up in the palace being wealthy. All right. Tiffany 256 says we all walk around saying, trust the process, trust the process. Yeah, uh, I don't do that. I say create the process, create the systems. But I agree. Some people do do that. Natisha Johnson, I stopped going to the local beauty supply store because I was profiled. At that moment, it didn't matter if I had a master's and I found myself trying to explain my education. Never again. And because of the digital age, we are able to connect and see common trauma we all face. It's bringing many of us closer. I agree. The digital age is, well, here's the thing. The digital age is creating two piles, at least for our culture. There's a, there's a wheat and a tear. Okay. And you, you won't know the difference until the harvest comes. The digital age is creating a pile of people who are wheat. They're prosperous. And when harvested are going to produce a bountiful abundance for the many generations to come. They're generational thinking, right? And then there's a group of people who are making their dollars and they, they making their money. But it's not generational thinking at all. It's them and how they're going to be legendary and how people will know them. And yes, they will have kids and the kids will receive money. But see, ooh, generational is your children's children's children. We got to go two to three generations down for it to be generational. Just because you're doing enough for your kids, it's not generation. That's not generational. No, no, my friends. Generational means thinking beyond just your children and looking at the next generation beyond your children. And you can get tricked real quick when people start posting stuff about how you got to have your money right for your kids and how you can have your kids part of your business and pay them. That that is that sounds generational, but my friends, that is not generational. But let no man or woman trick you. Generational wealth is not about your children. Generational wealth is about your children's children and even sometimes your children's children's children. Those are two different worlds we're playing in. They're talking about the next 30 to 50 years, and you and I are talking about the next 200. Those are, we're, we're on two different playing fields. And so it's important to know who is in front of you when you're talking. Are they, look, are they looking at the next generation, or are they looking at generations? And once you figure that out, you'll have two different sides during this digital age. And you're going to have to decide who am I rocking with? Am I rocking with the generational thinkers or am I rocking with people who are only thinking about the next person to come? And it's not that they're bad people. It's just short-sighted. It's very short-sighted if you're only looking at what's in front of you. So let's continue and see what else we have. 
All right, Tiffany256 says, what's the process? Is there one? We teach our kids a process. Uh, no matter the challenge, we must pause, evaluate our options, breathe, and focus on us, and then go, go make sound decisions. All right, so let me say something to process, okay? It's just my thinking. You don't have to agree. This is not about agreeing with DJ Day. This is just about listening and understanding a different perspective and then deciding whatever you're going to do in your life. So here's something that I would say. Because you, you mentioned something that, that stood out to me. You said, we teach our kids a process. There are three things that I've learned. The poor teach their children how to buy. The rich teach their children how to sell. And the wealthy teach their children how to acquire. And so if we're going to teach a, a process, which of the three are you going to teach? And that will determine generational wealth versus just thinking for generations. There are people today who are teaching their children how they can quickly sell things so they can get rich. And there are people today teaching their children how to acquire so then they can be wealthy. And the more you start listening to this podcast and the more you start paying attention to things we're saying, you're going to see the distinction between the two. All right. All right. The Savvy Accountant, one of my favorite people. Uh, check out our episode that we did together. The Savvy Accountant says, I will leave enough for my children's children. Proverbs 13, 22 and beyond. That's what I'm talking about, Savvy. So I believe that Savvy understands generational wealth, not just, not just you know, the people that are right in front of you. See, when, I, when, I'm, when I'm thinking children, I'm not talking about just people that came from you. I'm thinking just the people that are around you. Now, maybe the Bible meant something else, and maybe everybody else meant something else. Okay. But for me, I'm thinking the immediate people that are in front of me, the people that I'm speaking with, am I just looking out for them? Or am I looking beyond them? Am I just thinking about what's happening in 2020 and maybe the next 20 to 30 years? Or am I thinking about what's happening in the next 250 years? It's a bit, it's just a little, it's a, it's a different way to think. Because if I'm thinking that far ahead, 100 years, 200 years, if I'm thinking that far ahead, because if we're looking at generations, you have to be thinking at least 75 years ahead if you're trying to get to that second tier of generational thinking. We got to think at least 75 minimum. I would even venture to say 100, but 75 at the, at the cutoff. The next 75 years. So if it's 2020, 70 would be what, 2090. So we're looking at 2095. So we're basically looking at the 3000s. If we're looking at dates here, what is the world going to look like in the 3000s? If you're not thinking that way and you're just thinking, well, how do I get this person to buy this $57 this $57 course for me? And that's all I care about. I'm going to get my $57. I'm going to get 100 people to buy those. And if I do that every single month and I make my money, I'm good. I feed my kids. Boom. That's where it stops. Generational thinking is how do I acquire businesses that can stand the test of time for the next hundred years? 
how do I acquire real estate that can stand the test of time for the next hundred years? I see people out there buying real estate or acquiring real estate, however you want to say it. It depends on timing. I see people buying real estate and they know goodness well that structure, depending on, they may not even look at stone foundations. Based off of what they've acquired or what they've bought, that thing only got another 10 years left on it anyway. You, before you would have to gut it out and, and start over. So you're really talking about a 10-year investment. Now, we talked about how long generational wealth is. We're talking about 75 years or longer. We want investments that are going to last us 75 years or longer. Now, you may have to work your way to that. Maybe that first investment is that 10-year investment, and then you can start thinking that way. But you need to at least be thinking it. Now, great job, uh, Savvy Accountant. Natisha Johnson, I would love to work with you. Yeah, let's set up something. A good example of generational wealth is uh, Tina. I'm not familiar. I've seen that word before. I'm not familiar. Sadly, the insurance company was built off of space labor, but they flipped that money to build that wealth. So that means we must acquire insurance companies. That's all that means. We must acquire more because we actually already have insurance companies. Uh, Natisha Johnson, I've never read Rich Dad, Poor Dad, but I want to do so. Yes, definitely read that book. My favorite book from uh, Robert Kiyosaki is not Rich Dad, Poor Dad. It's actually, it is why uh, A students work for C students. That's my favorite book from Robert Kiyosaki, if we're just being honest. But yes, Rich Dad, Poor Dad is obviously a great book. I have my own uh, preferences. Also like the cash flow quadrant. The cash flow quadrant is is one of my favorite books from there as well. And so uh, this is a really great conversation. Definitely am, am enjoying this, but I want to also get to uh, the stimulus package that was pushed out. Kind of what we were talking about earlier was, is it going to be enough? Now we had an earlier episode uh, around this topic where we were talking about what is it going to take to stimulate the economy? And we talked about strategic partnerships and working remotely and all this great stuff. What I'm wondering is, and Natisha says, sorry for the typos. Oh, you're fine. Don't worry about that. Um, what I'm wondering is, and I just saw R- R- Ramon, I know he was in here a few seconds ago, Ramon too. So he was saying that, um, you know, we got to create our own stimulus package. I saw him on IG saying that. You know, what are you doing to create your own stimulus package instead of waiting for a handout? That, that's the conversation right there. How do you create your own wealth? How do you become so valuable that people got to do business with you? Those are the lessons that we got to pay attention to. Those are the lessons that are going to, to change our people forever. So, yeah, the stimulus package and all that is great, okay? All that is wonderful. But I'm going to be honest with you. I want to leave with this. If you are waiting for someone else to stimulate your economy, hear me loud and hear me clear. If you are waiting for someone else to stimulate your economy, When that economy becomes stimulated, you'll be waiting for them to keep it going. You must stimulate this economy for yourself. We've been doing it for centuries. 
they say that the first people that the first uh the first group of people or the first commodity on the stock exchange was slavery was were were people who were enslaved that was the first true stock market you know how much will this sell for how much money can i make out of that We've been running this country for the last however many years. They say 1619, but you and I know that I, how I feel about 1619. There's some things that we got to find out that happened before 1619. This thing is bigger than 1619. I'm going to tell you that right now. Don't let 1619 or 1776 fool you. There was something happening before then. We can get to it. Uh, we have an episode on that that's called Before Slavery. And there's a link in there that goes to a documentary that tells you what's really popping, what's really going on. But we've been simulating this economy since its inception. This time around with the reset, with the way the game has been changed, the tables have been turned, my friends. We hold all the cultural wealth that my good friend, Natisha Johnson said. We hold the cultural wealth. Now, this time, are you going to sign it over to somebody else? Or are you going to set the price and the premium for access to our cultural equity, our cultural wealth? And whatever you decide to do is going to determine the next 100 years. I am DJ Moultrie of the Black Equity Podcast. I thank everybody for coming in today. If you are looking to connect with us, go on our link, uh, our Instagram and uh, send us a message. We will send you uh, an invite to sit down and have a private uh, conversation. Let's figure out how we can work together. I am definitely excited. Head over to Instagram at Black Equity Network. We uh, also on our uh, bio there is a number that you can text Black Equity to in order to join our digital network. What that will do is give you access to all the information that we send out on a weekly basis. Uh, last week, we sent out two different sources of uh, access to capital for small businesses. So if you are interested in understanding how to uh, play this game at the highest level, what we do is we find those opportunities and then we send it out to you so you have direct access to them. We send those out to you so you have direct access to them. If you're interested in working alongside us, now is the time to make those things happen. Now is the time to reach out. So thank you so much for uh, taking time out of your day today. Thank you for everyone who participated in the uh, Instagram live. And we will be talking to you again on the Black Equity Podcast. See you soon.